Since its launch in November 2015, Fresh as the Word has been a documentation of sorts for me, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. As I journey through my love of music and pop culture, as well as using this platform to share my growth on topics important to me, which includes topics involving women's rights, people of color, and the LGBT community through the artistic lens of pop culture. As an ever-evolving podcast, I'm going back to my roots focusing more on the music artists I'm passionate about from the past and present. From the classic hip-hop artists I grew up on, to the new faces of dance, and from the metal bands I've long appreciated, to the indie alternative artists stealing my heart, Fresh of the Word aims to tell the stories of those who need their contributions to music known, while also exposing my audience to the next artist to watch out for, sometimes before they blow up. Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. For this episode, we are joined by hip-hop legend, New York MC OC of the crew Digging in the Crates, DITC. But he's humble enough not to accept that title just yet. OC originally jumped on the scene as a guest on Organized Confusion's Fudge Pudge, and soon after on the remix of MC Search's Back to the Grill. OC would go on to meet the likes of Lord Finesse and Buckwild from DITC, and Buckwell would produce most of his debut album, Word Life, released in late 1994 on Wild Pitch Records, that would spawn classic records like Time's Up and Born to Live. In the summer of 1997, O.C. released his classic sophomore album, Jewels, via Payday Records, but there was no sign of slump here. Fueled by the DJ premiere produced My World and the Buckwell produced Far From Yours, O.C. had another classic in the books with Jewels. O.C. would go on to release countless solo collaborative albums throughout the years, still keeping his pen tight now at the age of 50. So without further ado, let's get into this interview with hip-hop legend O.C. And now a brief word from our sponsor. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel seeks to bring original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. They also provide an array of services. In the world of wrestling, where there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20x20 also hand screen prints all of their tees in-house. If you would like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, even Zubaz, then drop them a line. Go to 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20, the letter X, the number 20, apparel.com. All right, welcome back to the Fresh is the Word podcast. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. And we have not only a fresh guest, we got a legendary guest, a legend Mm -hmm. of hip-hop. A member of the DITC crew, digging in the crates crew, and one of my mm. favorite MCs of all time, OC. How you doing? What's going on, K? You said legend, though. I don't know about that, man. That's, Come that's on, a big, big shoes to fill. 
Like Mel's still alive, Cass still alive, Flash still alive, Grand West Theodore still alive. Yo, it's a lot of legends alive, right? And you one of them. Shit. Hey. <laughs> I, I thank you. Man, um, this is I think this is like the third time I've talked to you. Uh, I remember interviewing you when you did the album with Apollo Brown, you know, good friend of mine. <laughs> And then right, I right. think I uh, interviewed you around the time when you did uh, the, the, the the album with Hyro and went on tour with them. And I was in the D. I was in Michigan behind that that tour too. Oh yeah, you, you guys played um, the Blind Pig, and I remember that. Yo, I remember that show like it was yesterday, man. Because it was like from top yeah. to bottom, that tour was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing, and it it, it was um, surreal too because we just missed. Uh, Katrina. Yeah, we had just left um, New Orleans. Yeah, around like a few days before we hit, uh, came up y'all way. Yo, we'd have been stuck, man. It that would have changed everybody's lives, even though everybody's lives changed after that, anyway. Right, man. I rem- what I remember about that show is when you performed, man. You performed by yourself. Man, mm-hmm. no hype man or anything, and just went through every song, every classic record, and I'm just sitting there like at the side of the stage, like, "Yo, <laughs> I can't, I can't believe what I just saw." Yeah, nah, that's yo. I do this for real. People don't understand. Like, um, I think people see me a lot more overseas. Yeah, you know than than in the states, but. You know, the, the 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 overseas actually prepared me for anywhere because you can't go over there and do half a song, half a verse. Like, so, you know, I got catalogs, so I'm doing, like, uh, multiple verses. I mean, multiple uh, things from different, different songs, different albums and stuff like that. But I'm doing this for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> but it took, it took, uh, it took a long time to learn to, to rock like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, figuring how to how to keep the crowd's attention and you know, breath control and you know, that's why I said that legend that legend thing is, you know, before you call somebody a legend, you gotta see how they rock, see what they do, see what their track record look like. And I've performed with P. E. I've performed with KRS, I perform with Kane, I perform with a lot of people and they get busy. Yeah, and I've seen so you, you perform, and man, you you won the best MCs to like when you hit the stage. You won the best MCs I've ever seen. Thank you, man. I just learned from them, man. Like you can't slack, and I've seen people perform from a fan standpoint, and they got a million people on stage, man. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is my favorite artist, but who's rocking him or right? You know, so. I just it just taught me to to go hard on stage and take it way serious than just making the music, man. And you still out here working, man. You still putting out joints. You still putting out joints mm-hmm. with other people, but like these days, man, we're like you know we're we're losing legends all the time. You know, like recently mm-hmm. we lost Black Rob, we lost DMX. I, you know, Shock G, Shock G, yeah. man, and uh, uh, XTC from Houdini. Um, Prince Monkey D from Fat Boy, yo, lost quite a few people. So, man, how how are you doing, man? Health wise, man, like you know what's going on, man. 
<laughs> I'm in shape, homie. I'm in shape. Yeah. Now nah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm doing well, man. I just turned fifty last week, so. Oh yeah, man! Happy birthday. Thank you. So, you know, I'm doing I'm doing good. You know, I'm I'm taking care of my body best as I could. You know, eat right as best as I could. You know, I'm no angel, but. You know, um, I don't do the things I used to do 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no heavy drinking no more. I hardly drink like anymore. Um, nothing wrong with it, but just, you know, it's not my thing anymore. Um, I don't smoke cigs no more. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I just try to be mindful. I know I'm not getting younger. I'm getting older. Yeah. And I got to preserve what I have. How do you sort of, like, just kind of keep your just mental health these days also um yeah i told you i moved out of new york too that that preserved a lot of my <laughs> you know like growing up in new york is one thing being in a, a young adult in new york you know during the 90s and the 2000s is another thing but it was it was time for me to go man like i never listened to my intuition so to speak all my life, like all my adult life, and something told me to make a change. And that meant, you know, like my circumstances, my surroundings. Yo, I, I feel good, man. Like, I just feel good. How hard was that to to finally make that step? Wasn't hard at all. Like, I wish I made this transition maybe twenty years ago. Like, when I was, you know, in my in my early 20s or late 20s, early 30s, because um, financially, mentally, I would have been a whole way ahead of the curve. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you already know what kind of business we in. Like, you know, you got to be on top of your, your finances. And I ain't no accounting, man. But, you know, I've been lucky. And that's, we, we can't get by on luck. You know what I'm saying? In, in this world, like you have to really know what you're doing and have some idea at least. And, and you know, can't rap all my life either. You know, right, right. You know, you have you know you have a a vast catalog. You know, there's you know there's undeniable you know classic hip hop records that that you've mm-hmm. done. You know, you've you know you've been on major labels before, but you know. Mm-hmm. You you weren't you were never like you know the you know on the mainstream like on the radio all the time and you see other right. you see other artists who went that route and it kind of you know it, it went a bad way you know do you ever you right. know do you ever think about what what if you know you went that way or if you like this path better? Nah, I mean, um, I knew. Oh well, I've told quite a few people as of late. Like, um, for me, if I won, if I was chasing fame, it was probably in my first year, <laughs> you know, and making music. And then I got a reality check because a lot of people didn't have a chance to do a sophomore album. Yeah, and like I said, I didn't think about money at the time, so I did it wholeheartedly from for the love of the music from a fan standpoint, from a supporter of other people's music standpoint, uh, just for the art, for the sport, you know, 
you know, it, it, it changed my perspective after the first album. It was like, oh, wow, like, you know, what I'm going to do after this, if this don't work, you know, how people going to, you know, you have people like Nas and uh, Jay and all these other guys that, you know, went on 20 years later, 30 years later, you know, to become successes and billionaires and things <laughs> yeah. of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I said, man, I'm lucky. Um, people still mess with me. You know, another thing I always tell people too, I, I, I go by everyday life. So this is why the content can keep coming from, you know what I'm saying? It might not come as fluent as the younger guys like every week or every month because that's not how I process music. But, um, you know, I've been putting out projects since maybe 2012 up until now. You know what I'm saying? Since trophies, I, I've been, you know, rocking. And, yo, know, I got damn near, what, I'm going to say 20 solo albums almost. <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, people be like, yo, when your next project? I'm like, yo, I put out Same Moon, Same Sun. <laughs> Three years ago, and then I dropped New Dawn a year after. So like, like, and then prior to that, you know, I had Debonair P record, I had this record, I had the uh, Opium with PF Cut. I'm like, yo, what y'all want me to do? Like, <laughs> put out an album every week? Like, that's crazy. You're like, I got records, man. I got a lot of records. <laughs> like, yo, my stuff, you know. You know, speaking for me, you have to digest it. And some of it is easy to digest. Like, so it ain't like it's not out there. It's not like I'm telling I'm not telling y'all it's there. And, you know, not to not to take up the whole conversation for a second, but I, I try to tell people too, like with with social media, um I can open up my page as 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 uh, uh welcoming as possible, but the reason why I restrict certain things because 36,000 people on my page is more like my actual fans as opposed to 100,000 or 200,000 people. All them people are just, you know, following. Some of them don't even know who I am if I'm up to those type of numbers, unless I'm Jay-Z or one of them. Yeah. You know, so it makes no sense in my mind. And I try to tell people, yeah, I can open my page up and probably get two, 300,000 uh, uh, followers, but it won't be true to who I you know who who really uh, uh, knows who I am or just started you know knowing about you know what I'm saying and people don't understand that sometimes. When we go back to your you, you know you mentioned you know being able to put out a sophomore album with uh, Jules mm -hmm. when you go that came out at a time when shortly after there was a huge just switch in the record industry when it came to to hip-hop like mm -hmm. by 98 like the people who are putting out major label records in 96 and 97 weren't putting out major label records anymore in 98 and you were kind of mm -hmm. kind of on that border right there with jules so what was you know what was your experience like putting out that record when the music industry was going through this shift at that time well I seen it go through the we both seen it, you know. Shiny Sue era. You seen the um you know, people was just at some point, you know, people don't understand either, like 
you can't an artist most artists aren't uh, uh don't have the luxury of making the same record over and over and over right so you know you have a formula you stick to this is what people want yo why you ain't get word life i need word life again it's like i ain't in that chamber no more that was 94 you're a different person right after the next day <laughs> like literally and you even know, back then, up. like hip hop changed every year so drastically <laughs> that even during that golden era, th- ninety four, mm-hmm. ninety six were vastly different. Right, and you know, my point leading up to it is, yeah, somebody like DMX, he came in totally raw. Was it no filter? Was it no polish? Right. It was his dogs. It was the bar. It was grind, and he changed the paradigm. And I hate to talk about that now, and I hate saying the word hate, but yo, DMX is probably one of the reasons why the music business started to shift. Yeah, and it's 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 fathomable, it's arguable to say that when DMX dropped, even somebody like Jay Z had to switch up his game totally. Everybody had to switch up, and and yo, D had. You know, uh, uh, bless him too, man. Like that, we we that's a major loss. Like he's probably one of the most honest artists. You know, whether hip hop, whatever genre of music you want to think about, he was just one of the most honest artists. Period. But yo, he had two number ones in the same year. Like, yeah, he brought Def Jam back. Like, you know what I'm saying? And and I've been saying this. I've been yelling this for a long time. Like, yo, yeah, D. Like y'all don't got him in the top. Since y'all want to talk all this top stuff, but, you know, Jewel's, for me, it was on the cusp. You know, it was three years in in, in between records. Yeah. I was touring. I was, you know, I was becoming well-known. You know, I was making my bones, making my rounds. And, yo, then dude came through and, and changed the whole game. Like, Jay had to change it up. Nas had to change it up. Wu had to change it up. Everybody... Who was putting out records prior to that had to change up these slickness. Yeah, that that and it's cra- it's crazy that like just during that time that um you know like you said you're on that crust of this new thing happening and back in mm-hmm. the '90s, like I just mentioned, every year was just different in hip hop. It was crazy. Yeah. Like someone you know looking back at that time, you know. What's your, you know, perception about that? What you, what's your thoughts about that, about, you know, just staying along with everything, keeping up with everything? Well, um, I think it was just a lot of talented artists. Everybody was um, different. It, you know, content-wise, it started getting a little monotonous in a sense, but nobody sounded the same at some point. You know, um, you had people that had, uh, 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 a voice. You had people that had just straight lyricism. You had people that had style. Like it was so many facets of of artists coming out. You know, it was just it was different for us, and it kept each other. It kept us on our toes as artists too, with each other. Like it was a friendly competition, so to speak. Like, um, I had a conversation with with Fredro recently from Onyx. Because me and dude was from the same hood, but we never really spoke to each other. <laughs> and we never knew why. Like, we like, yo, 
you know, he come into place, we would nod and stuff like that, but we never had conversations and we both basically chalked it chalked it up to us being young and assholes and you know, not you know, just too cool for school, egos and stuff like that. But I'm actually an Onyx fan, like a big Onyx fan. Like, you know, I, I seen uh, uh throw your guns from this inceptions. I seen the last day record from yeah. inception. I seen all these things and I was just like and we laughed about it, man. Like, like, damn, we didn't even speak to each other, really. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was crazy back then because you would like, you would see all this talent, but like, a lot of times you guys kind of you know stuck to your crews, and then like later, and then later mm-hmm. on during like like in the next like decades and stuff, then y'all started collaborating and a lot of us right. were like, yo, we would have loved that in the nineties. Yeah. Not too many, not too much though, but you know, it happened a few times. It happened quite a few times, but, um, everywhere else was collaborating down South. Yeah. Midwest, West coast. And, you know, some of them dudes cruises at war with each other back then. You know what I'm saying? Um, gangs, um, just just do some different blocks, stuff like that. But they would make money or, or come together to make music. And that's where New York probably lost um, a lot of his, his oomph. Because, you know, we had a lot, of major, a lot of major dudes coming out of NY. You know, a lot of us wasn't making music together. Yeah. Over the, you know, over the years, you... You worked with a lot of the same, you know, producers, a lot of the, you know, mm-hmm. your, your crew members in uh, DITC, you know, you know, uh, you know, Diamond D, Lord Finesse, um, Showbiz, was, yeah. like, right. never produced a beat on my album. That's who did? crazy. Diamond never produced. Oh, he never. Anything. Oh, he never did. Oh, yeah, <laughs> all those. Yo, I had to. I, I, I had to tell somebody that recently because they was like that. I was like, yo. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Like, nah, Diamond. It's like almost an did. assumption, you know. You'd be like, oh, you probably. It, I assumed it, but I had to think for a second, like, oh, wow, Diamond never did nothing on none of my albums. And he submitted. I just, we just never found a joint that, you know, I felt like it, it wasn't that it was whack or anything. His joints was dope. It was just, to me, um, he had the perfect things for like Buster and all of them. Yeah. Like, to me, Everybody's just not made at the moment, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, you, you worked know? with you had you know you had these uh, for a lot of your work you had these set guys that you were working with, your crew members, you know Buck mm-hmm. Wild, Showbiz, you know Primo mm-hmm. and everything. How did but, you, uh, uh, finesse? Yeah, yeah. Fin- like, how did you you know just kind of keep a really cool working relationship with these guys? you know, over the years where, you know, you could probably holler at any of those guys right now and be like, you know, let's work. I mean, we worked in the same studio. <laughs> we all was in D&D. Smith & Wesson was in D&D. The whole boot camp. Uh, Rockefeller. M.O.P. Um, I mean, the list goes on, man. Like, you know, you had Group Home, you had j you had the whole Gangstar Foundation. You had everybody coming through that studio, so we was all, you know, beat miners. Um, and I never really worked with 
too many people outside of uh, uh, my my circle production wise because a lot of people ain't want to mess with me in the beginning. I mean, I ain't gonna put them on blast and say <laughs> no names, but a lot of people ain't want to mess with me at first. You know, I wasn't I wasn't proven, so to speak. That's how I take it. Right. You know, what, you know what was the feeling like in at D and D when you're just like all these guys are kind of all these guys that are just popping at that time, you know, mm-hmm. starting to just really buzz in hip hop, you know, just coming through back, you know, back and forth, you know, in these studios, man. What was sort of the climate? Oh, come on, man! It was electric, man. Like like I said, you had, you know, you had Biggie going through there. You had. Uh, rock and rock. You had, like I said, you just had so many different um personalities that you know, like I some of us, most of all of us were cool with each other, but it was still, you know, that look of competition when people were working, and it was usually um, you know, people on the pool tables, weed smoke, drinking, <laughs> a lot of that, you know, females in the studio, and and um. Just fun, you know, partying and stuff like that. Going to a club, coming back to the studio, completing the project or completing songs and things of that nature. And we all did it. So, um, you know, it was just a normal, it was a normal thing. That's how I look at it. It was normal to see, you know, uh, like I said, Jay and Big and them was a lot more uh, successful, you know, on the charts and stuff. So you see less of them. But, you know, Premier, I see every day. You know, Guru, I would see. Every day, Jay Rule, you know, of course, my crew show would be in the studio, you know, 24 hours in the cream. So, and, um, you would just see people like it was normal, you know, after after the Jules album and after you're seeing this shift in mm-hmm. the rap industry, you know, around you know, like 97, 98. Like, mm-hmm. where was your head at that time? Uh, because, you know, I know you. Um, there would be a uh, a crew album with the, you know, Digging in the Crates crew album. And then right. um, you would eventually do the Bon Appetit album. Uh, what right. was, where, were, where were you at at that time, you know, kind of dealing with that shift? Um, Just trying to find myself. Like, like I said, what people don't understand what music is... Um, you're going through stages. You're growing. You're actually getting older by the minute. We all getting older by the minute, second, right? So, you know, you're trying to figure out what what didn't you talk about on the last album, the last two LPs. Uh, you know, people's perception of you. Um, you know, becoming manhood. You know, becoming an adult. A responsible adult. I didn't know what that that was, even though I was in my twenties. And um, you know, years later down the line, people were just coming around to Bon Appetit, for example. But a lot of people was calling me sellout. Um, trying to get radio records off this album, you know. And they actually did that with Jules, you know, early on too. But it wasn't as bad as what they tried to do me at, do me on with, with Bon Appetit. And I was just like, yo, like, if y'all think about it, I ushered in another style of music with that record. After that record came, 
Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Quite a few records came out that was so full after that. But <laughs> I, did, I just ate the bullet. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you, you not pioneer something, so to speak, because it was soul samples happening, but, you know. Um, yeah, but records like that, that or um, Ghostface's oh. Supreme Clientele were highly like influential to what Jay-Z and a lot of other people was going to be doing after that. Right, 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 exactly. And, you know, to me, that ghost is my man. Like, we mirror, you know, being New Yorkers in, in as well, but we mirror similar styles of music, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, like I said, people just don't understand sometimes growth. Like, the supporters, I hate saying fans too, man. I hate saying the word hate, so excuse me, but. People don't understand, man. When you make making music, it's hit or miss. Like, I, you might not like everything that I do, and right. it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like everything that one of my heroes that I look up to does. But if that's something that he chose to experiment with, or he had his reasons for happening, I look I look at it from that the artist perspective when I look at my 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 heroes, but. You know, um, I love everything Slick Rick do. People like second album. I'm like, yeah, but the music. I'm like, yeah, but I don't. From a writer standpoint, I don't look at it from the music. I look at it from his, you know, what he's saying and his verses and how he put that song together. That's that. I'm an artist. I'm not a rapper. I ain't been a rapper since. <laughs> I got a deal. You know, my my artistic thing is is flowing now. Like. I don't look at Pharaoh as no artist. I mean, as a as a rapper no more. I don't look at Black Thought as a rapper. Like, I think them dudes is instruments. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Like, you know, and and unless you, and when you're an artist, and unless you you know you have to take those risks, those right. ideas that and you have, you might daggers <laughs> thrown at you behind that. But that's what you do when you put yourself out there. You know, it, yeah, and it's how the much, same thing. How many times do you hear stories about like uh, beats that somebody, like the Neptunes, did that got passed over by a million rappers, but like yep. someone like Snoop Dogg would, uh, you know, take it on and it'd be one of their biggest hits, you know, that they ever did. You no, know, it's, it's, that's a perfect segue. Nori was the first guy to deal with the Neptune. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, and people, what, what, like they was like. What, 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 like in the music, it was so driven and it was different. And it was, you know, it was so, 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 much, so different than anything that was coming out of like New York at the time and everything. And and it was like, yo, what's this? Yo, it goes hard, but this it, is kind of weird, man. It's one of Nori's biggest hits. Right. Like, you know, and, and like you said, Snoop, fast forward, Snoop, you know, was, was messing with him, even Jay, but. You know, um, people just don't want different sometimes. Like, I, to me, personally, I don't think a lot of my supporters now are people my age. It's people, you know, a little younger than me. Because the ones that's my age, they, you know, they used to one way. You know, they got a family. They work. They, you know, they, they paying bills and you know, doing the whole thing and stuff like that. So, you know, they want word life. They want jewels. They want that stuff. 
And I ain't mad at her for that. But I have to tell her sometimes, like, yo, you got to just listen to same old, same son. It's, it's a great album. They're like, eh, I'll go for word life. I'm like, well, I've been 30 years removed for that album. So I, I, can, I don't know what to tell you. Right, you know, like that that's you. Thin. That's you. Then you know that's every you. That's that's where you're at. I'm then, a totally you know? different person in '94. Like, so you want me to really do another album like that? Like, and everybody uh, who's like uh, and everybody's kid, producing on that album are different people now. You know, different artists. Every, every you, a different person. We, I was different right after that album got mastered. The day was done. You know. Um, and this is what I try to explain to people. But like I said, when people are setting their ways about certain things, I just leave it at that. You know, I know I have a fan base for this and then a particular fan base for this now. You know, so I cater to both. Where's your fan base coming uh, from these days? You know, you said, like, they're a bit younger than you. Um, and that's, you know, that's definitely an amazing sort of feat for a rapper that's, you know, a hip hop artist that's been around as, as long as you have, you know, where, you know, how, you know, where does that come from? Maturity. Like, um, I'm not trying to make music to please anybody. And I never did. I always did music according to what I've been through or what somebody else been through close to me or even people outside of my, my my friend zones or whatever, you know, if I, it, it might be a word to trigger me to, to write a song or something that a person, a stranger said, you know, everyday life. This is my motto from from the past 10 years. I write from everyday life, everyday experiences, supermarket, the laundromat, you know, jogging, um, going, walking to the mailbox, like, and, Yo, it's always things going on, contrary to what we think. Like, it's always something going on. Like, I, I seen a um a black and and orange spotted turtle today. I've never seen turtles in New York. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I seen a square turtle today after it rained real hard. I'm like, damn. Like, you know, but I know I'm mindful where I'm at. I know it's snakes out here. I know it's uh, wolves, I know it's deer, stuff like that. But, um, you know, the change, I'm about change, man, when it comes to music. And, you know, I, I, I go from everyday experiences. It don't have to necessarily be me, though. For such a long time, hip-hop was always branded this, you know, this young man's thing, you know. When did you sort of, like, say, fuck this? Like, <laughs> I'm getting older, and I'm still going to be doing this as long as I want to. Well, we all, we all getting older, right? Yeah. But this is what I tell people. Um, on paper, I'm older than hip-hop. Hip-hop's been around as long as me. But in the music business, it's not even 50 years old yet. I think the anniversary came up, what, last year? 48, 49, something like that. Yeah. I'm older than hip hop on paper, so it's still a young game. Like, you know, it's probably the most um influential music, you know, ever. But um it's still young. Fifty years old for for a a, a genre of music is not old. You know what I'm saying? 
on the flip side of that coin, this is the only game in the music business that you're old or considered old, you know, when you put out music after a certain amount of time, which is, it don't happen in country, it don't happen in rock, it don't happen in Latin, it don't happen in reggae. Right. Or dance hall. <laughs> only hip hop. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's crazy, like, you know, here in Detroit, there were, you know, we have this amazing, you know, well of talent in hip hop, you know, for so many years. But it, you know, there's a there was a time where a lot of them were kind of going for like the rap dreams, you know, the hip hop dreams, the right, the you know, the the record deals and everything. <laughs> but but what right. happened was that a lot of them stepped stepped away for a little bit, you know. When did their day jobs or started a business or whatever, and then they came back to it, just uh, come back to it with just love and just to do it, and they started putting out the best records that they ever put out, and this is like so many artists. But look at the look at the the history though of music in general, you know this Motor City man, like come on, like. Like the, the the music history, you know, this is the hub of black music. You talking about your city? Yeah. Like they turned on the whole planet. Think about that. Like just that whole uh, uh, Motown movement just turned out a whole planet. Like we changed the way people looked at music, listened to music. Um, I think the D directly and indirectly brought it, it broke color lines you understand like yeah. you couldn't dance together black and white you know years ago yeah Motown came on the scene and you know it's it's just a rich history out there and to me um with the despair and everything that goes on out there man it, you're gonna have some some diamonds like you're gonna have a lot of diamonds Pressurized diamonds, man. Like pressure makes makes diamonds, man. And you know, New York, yeah, hip hop, home of hip hop, or whatever. But you know, um, no disrespect to my city, but you know, a lot of things ain't ain't, ain't come from NY. You know, if you think about sampling, who's uh, the people would that would be sampled from? Most of them are Southern artists. Most of them were Southern musicians, Caribbean musicians and stuff like that. Like, it goes that deep. The well goes that deep. But New York was just a hub for record labels and, and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? If you wanted to be a star, so to speak, you go to New York, hopefully you make it. It's, and hopefully, you know, you get by. But um, your city, man, your city got something in the water literally and figurative <laughs> yeah and we never really you know like during the motown you know aged you know it was kind of a hub for all that in with the the music the, the music industry but after that mm-hmm. you know we really weren't so just the way our city is it, it kind of always made it hard for Detroit artists to make that step into, um, you know, being, you know, getting those record deals and everything, 
because there, right. there really wasn't any like there's no one to, to teach you how to deal with that shit you know here in detroit yeah. there was none of that and a lot of a lot of a lot of opportunities were squandered by you know detroit artists because they didn't know how to deal with it you know whether it was um just not putting in the time or getting into you know crimes and violence and stuff like that not putting that but that's stuff what in I there mean by the despair like yeah i mean you remember the, the the uh uh pictures me and apollo took like for yeah. me to take um for the album cover for trophies and the insert and stuff like that put for me to take a pitch in front of Detroit Stadium, uh, uh, you know where they play the, the, the Detroit Tigers playing yeah. and stuff like that, and then a few feet away it's like an empty school, but this is around the city, like <laughs> yeah. empty yep. projects. I've never seen that like that in my life. You know what I'm saying? And 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 Apollo's like, yo, oh, this is like the whole Midwest. Like this ain't just Detroit. This is Indiana, this is St. Louis, this is... Yeah, if you, you go down to Ohio, man, you're like, yo, you're this like... This is how... Yeah. You, there's parts I'm where like, you think, what? like, you think, like, zombies are about to come out, man, because you're like... <laughs> yo, that shit... I didn't... Yo, it, it, it just... It blew my mind to see that. So to come back home and look at our projects and can't imagine those projects being empty. Like, I couldn't imagine that. Like, it was the same looking projects, man. And I was just like, yo, I seen projects and I'm telling people in my hood and they like, word. Yeah, so when the album, and I'm like, yo, they not even here. Like, they not here. I seen empty projects. Like, look at my album cover. You can look through the projects behind me in Apollo. Like, yes. And tall story projects. Like, tall projects, man. You know, I'm like, yo, it's schools. Public schools abandoned, playgrounds abandoned. They like, yeah, 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 like they didn't understand what what. Until you put people in those circumstances firsthand, then they have seen it. But I seen it. I seen it firsthand. I was just like, wow. And then coming from you know, New York, where everything's like just crammed together, like, and I right. and I bet like you uh you first noticed this maybe like the first time you toured how much vast land there is in the U.S. And, right. And this, but then when you get into these cities like Detroit, there's all this vast land that's, like, not used, you know, or decrepit or anything like yeah. that. And it's kind of a crazy thing to see, you know, uh, that, yeah. that, like, you know, you could be like, yo, you could be farming here or you could be building up things here, but there's, like, it's so desolate. It's 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 mind blowing. It's desolate, and yo, to go through places like Indiana and stuff like that and see her, like it was just weird to me, man. Like like you just said, you know, me coming from New York, we had abandoned lots and stuff like that. A lot of burnt down. Well, the Bronx mainly had a lot of burnt down buildings. Like you can walk, you know, literally across this block to the next block because it was decimated buildings but Brooklyn and Queens not so much like if you move from Brooklyn to Queens that was a big deal like my parents moved from Brooklyn to Queens when I was a kid you know that means you made it so to speak if you can buy a house in Queens and 
you know, but to see other places, man, like, even, yo, Europe, like, made me appreciate, you know, growing up more, you know what I'm saying? Like, Europe and, and, and seeing the Midwest, it made me appreciate growing up more, because I'm like, yo, I was living, I was living good, <laughs> compared, <laughs> you know, how people, you know, living in the Midwest and, and overseas, like, it's crazy. And the, the, the weird thing is about in the Midwest is that like instantly you can go in, you can go from a, a really shitty neighborhood to a really nice neighborhood without even like in one second. And it's almost like, it's almost like, like there's this carrot being dangled to the people who are impoverished. Like there's like, like you, like here in Detroit, you can, there's like, um, one of the casinos, like one of the casino hotels, like mm-hmm. you can, it's so bright that you can see it from every, like every like rundown neighborhood around it. It's kind of like, like remember back to the future after Biff, like right. becomes rich and has that big uh, hotel right. casino. It's like the same thing. And it's like, you're, like it's, said, it's like that, it's, that carrot being dangled, you know? Yeah. Like I said, the stadium, you know, being in Detroit, or here's even uh, uh, one better. Um, Apollo was telling me about a lot of the buildings that were in the Transformer movies. Yeah, and I was like, these, like the way it look on film and on camera, it's a whole different planet. But to see the buildings up close in person, I'm like, this is damn. Like, this is desolate. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo. And, and you know, to go on blocks and see, and this wasn't just in Detroit. This was going, like I said, going into uh, 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 Milwaukee and stuff like that, where you have a house on the block, and then you have no houses in the next few feet. And then you go down to the next block, it's a house, and then it's all abandoned. It's just like, yo, this is crazy, man. But, like I said, I've always been taught, and I've, I've learned people who go through that much poverty, and then that impoverished, and that much despair, and, and just little hope, usually be the ones that turn out to be superstars. Yeah, it's... And I can, like... My my when I grew grew up, I grew up right off of Eight Mile here, and mm-hmm. I was like that last generation where Eight Mile meant white people are on this side, black people are on this mm-hmm. side, you know. And the the thing that I just felt and heard all the time was, okay, you know, you got to watch out for those people on the other side, you know. Right. And right. just being who I was and. I just naturally was, you know, to, like I, you know, I was naturally into music from an early age, you know, like Jimi right. Hendrix was like my first favorite love, you know? So, right. you know, just learning from him, you know, was, was a lot. And right. I just was like, eh, the people over, but those people, you know, on the other side can't be that bad, you know? So I always right. kept like a, you know, open mind about it. And then next thing you know, I'm like, as I'm growing up, I'm like, 
all this stuff that I've, you know, I've always heard from people about people that live in like rundown neighborhoods and everything, like it's so wrong. You know, there's, there's so much, like there's so much creativity to come out of, uh, you know, so much heart and passion to come out of the, of, you know, of, of those communities. Right. Well, black and white, that's what people don't understand. Black and white, you know, are talented. Like, um, I mean, shit, Bette Midler and, 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 uh, people like Barbara Streisand and them is from our neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They might've been on the other side, but that Miller's from Queens. Yeah. You know, you understand like these people that, so it, it, it's a lot more politics and other stuff that goes into that plays into stuff like that. And, you know, we're just adults and, and smart enough to know it now, but they definitely kept the color lines and stuff like that when we was kids and, and growing up. And, you know, they didn't want, uh, those type of situations going on where people's like, it didn't matter if you was black or white, we all starving. Well, we all going through it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you learn, man. You learn as you get older. It's like, nah, it's, it's not about the color all the time. Like, it's 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 a lot deeper than that. It's yeah. haves and have-nots. Yeah. You kind of mentioned it before, but, you know, you know, what was your childhood like? You know, what kind of a kid were you? And I'm I'm the last of, of four, so um I'm the baby. So you already know. I, I was I was spoiled, but I wasn't spoiled with I got everything that I wanted, you know. Um I had a great childhood, you know. I seen I mean, this is why me and you're having a conversation. I seen the park jam. I was there for the park jam. I was I was in the middle of a park jam. Like I've seen Divine sounds, you know, stacked speakers. Uh, I seen Rufus featuring Shaka Khan and Prospect Park as a kid. I seen all of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was, my mom's took us, we, we went to free concerts. You know, Shaka Khan, uh, KC and the Sunshine Band. Um, uh, I didn't get to see Bob Marley. I think my mom's got to see him, but, um, you know, we went to see bands, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and stuff like that. Grateful Dead and Prospect in Central Park. It was, it was, I had a great childhood. You know, how you know how was you know was your family very supportive of you becoming an actual like hip hop artist? Um, my mom's was definitely like, yo, you can't let nobody stop how you feel, what you want to do, you know. You, and she was the first one that told me, like, if you never fall on your face trying to do something, then you're going to always be where you at. Like, you know, it's this thing today, man, I, I, I hate to be the, the bearer of uh, bad news, so to speak, but everybody always talk about win, 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 win. It's just like, that's not reality. Like, right. you don't win all the time. Nobody wins all the time. Like, where y'all get this from, man? Like, you know, I'm up and, you know, uh, uh, I'm a win and that's all. And, and God got me. And it, it's like, yo, everybody loses. Everybody. 
Yeah, everybody takes an L sometimes, you know. Everybody take. You're always gonna take L's in life, but it's your bounce back. You know, that's 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 what I, that's what proves what kind of person you are deep inside. Your bounce back. Everybody's always on this winning shit, man. I just be like, yo, man, I ain't win all the time. As a as a kid, as a teenager, young adult, or as an adult senior now, I mean, it's probably the best time of my life right now. But and I only just turned fifty, but you know, my priorities in my mind are in order now. Like I ain't the same guy I was twenty or ten years ago. You know, I ain't worrying about a Range Rover or you know how big my house is, or I, I don't care about those things. It really doesn't matter to me at this point. Like. As long as I'm happy, my mental state is good. You know, it's decent, and 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 I take L's. That's what makes me a human being. Outside of you know, outside of like the music stuff that you kind of grew up with and everything, you know, what was what was New York like for you? Uh, you know, growing up as a kid, teenager, what was some of the stuff that you really what really sticks out to you about New York? I traveled a lot as a kid um, on the trains, man. We did the trains as kids. Like, that's that was something different now that I look back growing up in New York. Like, you know, in our single digit, getting on the train, five years old, all the way up to nine years old, like, taking the, the subway. The subway was bad. But... We didn't feel like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, so taking the subways and um, just what me and you was talking about. I, for example, I grew up in a, I had a spot in in a in a place called Ridgewood, which they turned in turn called Glenwood, uh, Glendale now in, in Queens, but Ridgewood was the Italian side. We couldn't go on that side when we was kids. We used to get chased as children <laughs> like <laughs> by grown Italian teenagers. You know what I'm saying? Like, And, you know, fast forward, me living there later on before I moved out here, it was like, damn, I, I told my wife, like, yo, I couldn't even come on this side when I was young. Like, we would get, you know, chased out or, or, or but worse. You know what I'm saying? So, New York was a, a, a gumbo, you know, of in one neighborhood, Irish, Puerto Rican, um, Polish, and we always cool with each other. Dominican, Panamanian, and you know, and then you have down. That's not even, you know, talking about downtown Brooklyn. You know, Flatbush and stuff like that, where the Caribbean influence is heavy. You know, Jamaicans, Haitians, um, the Trinidadians. You know the Guyanese, like so. It was just a big gumbo, man, and, and I think it set a lot of us up in the music business, you know, with friends and stuff like that and connections. Because, um, you know, I went to school with all facets of people, like, you know, and this is New York, you know what I'm saying? And you know, I say all that to say, for example, I brought somebody from the West Coast years ago. And we was in a spot called Jimmy's Bronx Cafe. And he grew up in Cali. You know what I'm saying? So he like, yo, we don't hang with the essays. 
Not that I ain't got no SA homies, but yeah, you know, y'all up in a spot with all these Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and blacks. Like, <laughs> we good here, and we was like, yo, we good. Like, you good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but after after time over the years, him coming back and forth to New York, you know, he got comfortable with it. But he like, yo, man, it's, they made separation out in Cali. Like, a lot of the essays, you know, a lot of us are homies, but for the majority and for the most part, you can, you know, it, it's the essay hood, it's the Mexican hood, and it's the black hood. Period. Right, right. New York, it wasn't like that. You know, growing up in New York, you know, what what's something you would you, you would think like what's something you would say is like your biggest like lesson? Like what what did what did New York like teach you like as as a person? Um taught me to be confident. It just taught me you know I don't know how that sounds. I don't want to come off egotistical and nothing like that, but it just taught me confidence. Like, like yeah, I said, you were five you know, years old on the, on the trains, man. <laughs> and I wasn't the only one, like, you know, kids rode the, tra- like, you know, they had a strip 42nd street on 42nd. It was all X rated, you know, uh, uh, adult booths and stuff like that. Rapists, killers, thieves, pimps, hoes, you name it. Everything went on. And, you know, but they had game rooms over there we used to love going to. Yeah. So, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, ride the train to go to forty second street and play the games and you know, um ignoring the hole in the corner and the pimp slapping the hole like yo, I we seen this was normality, even though it's not something normal, but it was normality to see these things and, and not be afraid so much, you know, just keep your distance and, you know, don't talk to strangers and, you know, it, it was just a different, uh, it was a different way of being and thinking, you know, growing up in New York. Getting back to your, uh, to your discography, you know, later in your mm-hmm. career, you would, you know, do a lot of, you know, collaborative albums, like you'd, like you did trophies with uh, Apollo Brown or mm-hmm. Opium with P.F. Cotton. Like, you know, at what point were you like, yo, I'm going to start doing these projects with, you know, all these other dudes, you know, not just, you know, the cats for my crew. Um, I mean, if you don't recall, like I said, uh, when we, me and you had the interview, you know, for the, the trophies album, like me and Apollo had a long conversation. And um, I say all that to say when I did the the uh, project with with PF Cutting, we had a long conversation. And what's airy about that one is though, maybe a month prior, I went to PF's crib to do some. You know, he would engineer. He was the he, he was an engineer. He's an engineer, so he would lay verses if I needed to do sixteens for people. You know, I would pay him and. And, um, yo, he was letting me hear all this music from him and Sean P, which I know is Ruck. I mean, Sean P is his real name, but we know Ruck. There was a while where I'm like, yo, who's Sean P? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Ruck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and and he let me hear music that Ruck wasn't using. And I was just like, so a lot of this stuff you hear on Opium ended up being stuff that Ruck turned down. And I was like, word, like, but everybody has a different ear. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and also, you know, I told him and, and I told my old crew member at some point, like, yo, I'm tired of picking music, man. I need somebody to just produce me. Pick all the music and I'll just write to it. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, we need to get back to that. And that's where the, the Apollo thing happened. You know, that's where the PF thing happened. That's where the, the same moon and the new dawn with showbiz happened. Because I was just like, yo, man, like, people ain't ain't produced no more. Like, what happened to the How We Teach Up Rock, P-Rock, CL? How did that you know, feel for you to, like, go, go that route? It felt good because all I did, and it ain't even, it, it's not no big formula to it. All I do now when I do these collaborative projects like that is get a whole bunch of music, write a whole bunch of songs, and basically we kick a lot of songs to the curb and keep the best ones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's it. That's the process. Like, I just have fun recording. I recorded a lot of records. And, you know, we narrow them down, and then we, we, we start, you know, seasoning the ones that we – we might keep or we know our keepers and stuff like that. And boom, next thing you know, in the next month or two, you got an album. But I'd rather be produced than me, you know, going through that process anymore, just picking music, you know, for my projects. And, you know, I'm really, shit, I'm an executive producer. Then. You know, I wasn't getting those credits for that. Like, not to say, not to take anything from the producer, but, you know, um, I, most of my albums, I, I picked the music. People gave me stuff. I either yeah. listened to it, you know, I either kept it or I did, or, you know, I, I brought concepts to the table for the music. And, you know, I wasn't getting no cold credit for that. You know what I'm saying? So after a while, I was just like, yo, you know, it's not a big deal, but why don't y'all just pick everything, man? Pick what you think I should rhyme on. <laughs> and I'll just write to it. Yeah, and these days, you know, I always see your name popping up on other people's records. You know, you're still like, you know, doing features for cats, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, how how has that um, you know, relationship with other artists kind of uh, you know, stayed throughout the years? See, that's that's me right now. Like I'm opening up before I was a little more um closed, like like not even closed minded, just I was boxing myself in, not, you know, uh, what's the word? Basically not talking to my peers or being not, I wasn't, that I wasn't being friendly. It was just, you know, people just thought I wouldn't make music with them. It was just like, why you say that? Like, yo, you just got this look. And I'm like, that look, like. And, yo, I had to really look at myself in the mirror, you know. This is where all the changes that was happening before I came and left New York. And it was just like, yo, man, I don't want people to look at me like I'm that serious that they can't say nothing to me or, yo, I, you know, I dig your music. Um, perfect example of that is uh, Petey Crack. Uh, I met Petey Crack a few years ago, and he came up to me. Petey is real outgoing. So he was just like, yo, man. 
OC, right? I was like, yo, what's up, man? Petey. Like, I know. He's like, yo, I was raised doing your music. And I looked at him like, what? Like, nah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man. Like, yo, like, you, you raised us. Like, you wanted a guy, like, you and a lot of other cats raised who we, and we had a conversation and we exchanged numbers and, um, it was actually the same night I met Rakim for the first time. Me, Showbiz, was together that night. We was up in a party and we met Rakim, but I met Petey. You know, Petey's a good dude. And I invited him to the studio and I got some music with him. Bottom line is I got some music with him that people never uh, heard. You know, hopefully I'll let that go one day. But, um, yo, he just, it, it just rang my bell when he said that. Like, yo, man. You know your music raised us, right? I'm like, <laughs> see, <laughs> see, tell you, man. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, man, I appreciate you, and I love, I love, I love that whole state property. Like, I love what they was doing and yeah. how they was getting busy and how they was their camaraderie seemed and looked and how they was going at artists. Like, yo, like we'll battle any. Like they was that. I, I just love their whole energy. So and Petey. Petey Crack is probably one of my favorite artists because it's diversity. You know what I'm saying? He has that voice. Um, Freeway has that voice as well. You know what I'm saying? And, and they get busy. Yeah. They whole crew busy. Lil Chris, Neef, Beanie. You know, to me, Beanie should have been a superstar. But you know, yo, Beanie's one of my fa- one uh, another one of my favorite MCs of all time. Yeah, he, I mean, Beanie's couldn't leave him. Well, the streets couldn't leave him alone. But yeah, you know. Um, toe to toe, bar for bar, you know, Beanie was next in line for that that crown holder. You know what I'm saying? If, if you know that thing, people chase, and yeah. he wasn't chasing it. He was just that ill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and um, you know, I just like they whole whole click, man. And I say all that to say, man, it just made me open my eyes. Like, yo, I gotta stop being standoffish with my peers. You know what I'm saying? And 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 you know, smile a little bit more. <laughs> you know, like because those, you know, Petey just—he wasn't, you know, he—he he approached, me. yo, see, right? I'm like, yeah, hey, what's up, man, Petey? I know you, and he like, yo, man, you know, and it just threw me off, and I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, nah, he's like, yeah, like, and he knows his stuff, but it's a lot of artists like that that know the game, they know the music. They're, they're in love with the music, and yeah. it just changed my whole my whole way of thinking of, of how I look at my pigs. Over the you know over the past few years, there's been kind of like this movement where you're seeing mm-hmm. these hip hop artists kind of take everything like and do everything themselves, very DIY. Where they they might mm-hmm. you know okay you can get you can get our music on the streaming services, but I'm going to sell you, you know, we wouldn't have this vinyl of a project, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it look special. I'm going to have, di- we're going to have low, low amount of pressings, different variants or whatever. It's going to be special. This is going to be high art and mm-hmm. they, you know, they might price it at a higher price than your, you know, usual record. But at the same right. time, they're coming with this confidence of, putting value back into their art, you know, like, you know, what's your thoughts about that? 
You just answered the question. Putting value back into the art, your art. Like, um, for example, I think I seen on Bandcamp one time, I seen some with Zelda shit. Like, yeah. And they wanted like a hundred bucks for a seven inch or something like that. And it was sold out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was like, damn, that's dope. Nipsey did it. Yeah. You know? Um, a lot of people doing it. And yo, it does bring value back to the game, man. Like this is where, like I said, the game is still young. We, you know, we making mistakes as we go along, you know, and we making mistakes as well by not uh, chastising the people who saying, "Yo, like after a year or two in the game, you has been like, you know, we should have put that to rest a long time ago, yeah. like." Yo, not not even on no BS, man. But um, MC Breed, come on, man. Like Tupac, like these dudes. You know, Pac was uh, Breed had a lot to do with Pac having a a a, a presence as well. But yeah. you got to get minds right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, people don't understand the value in ourselves, and I'm learning. You know, I just did that recently, man. I just liquidated some stuff under my, my, you know, literally from under my stairs. And I'm like, 30 bucks? And they like, oh, I'll give you 80. And I'm like, what? Like, wait a minute. Nah. So they like, no, man. I'll give you 80 for that. And I'm just like, yo, but the record is used and they like nah <laughs> you old Steve. I'm like no 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 let's not do that they like no man but we value what you do yeah yeah you know and and, and um I, I met Jace one over the over, from buying music from from buying vinyl from and you know Jace and them got a following like crazy like <laughs> and their value he was just like he paid a lot of money for some stuff that I was just like, Jay, I can't charge you that. Man. Like, but he wanted to. And he was like, yo, I'm paying for us. You know, he basically said the same thing. Like, yo, the value, man, like the value means everything. Oh, like you mean everything to me and I should mean everything to you. Like, right. it's a value with us. I mean, I'm sure he could have he could have probably found those records somewhere else, maybe online or whatever. But he saw that you were that you had them. I was right selling them myself. Yeah, direct to you know a uh, uh, supplier direct to consumer. Like he was, just and like, he wanted to old. be like, I appreciate you directly. Exactly. You know, like exactly. You, you can't really do that. Like buying, you know, it's cool to buy stuff in a record store, but you can't mm-hmm. really thank the artist. Right. And that was another time. You know, now we have the internet. Now you can actually talk to people. Like, this is teaching me how to be uh, a talk to to people who support what I do. And, yo, sometimes you run into assholes, but I have to learn to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Just like I run into assholes on the road, man. Like, I done been in fights, you know, (laughs) uh, guns, everything. But, you know, you know, God willing, nothing ain't happened, but you know, you have to learn how to deal with the public because uh contrary to what we feel and not we are public figures, don't mean that we famous, all of us. I'm not famous, but people do recognize me. I'm a public figure. So 
Um, that's what I told you earlier. Like, you know, with music, man, if somebody don't like something, it might get under my skin. But this is what goes with that. Yeah. You know, this is what goes with you doing a podcast. You know, you might have a hundred people like, yo, woo, yeah, Kate. And then you might have one idiot that's like, this show sucks. And <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Yo, man, one person be like, ah. Yeah. And that's why I say all that to say too, man. Like, ain't no such thing as always winning, man. Like, it's winning and there's losing. There's ups, there's downs. There's some people gonna like you for the most part if you're doing what you, what what is true to what you do. But you're still gonna have one or two people that's gonna be like, man, you're so uh, shy, eh. and you just gotta eat it. Yeah, it's nice to see people put value back into like their own music like that. You know, I felt like for a long time, and I think this is also applies to the DJs too. Um, right. Because you know, I used to DJ a lot here in Detroit too, and we got to the point where that's sort of like the customer is always right, sort of thing was that was too much, you know, and. You know, and devaluing the DJ as well. Like, yeah, I'm like, I gotta tell kids that ain't that wasn't born before <laughs> this thing was popping. Like, yo, you know, the DJ is first always, right? They're like, nah, no baby. I'm like, like you can't, you won't have no music played. I said, put it like this: you slap a DJ or or disrespect the DJ. That's usually most DJs are part of a a, a, a a crew. Yeah. You know, around the country, Canada to US to UK to Yeah. You blackball. <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to explain this like, yo, you beat up a DJ and you see what happens. I, I'm telling you not to. Like, don't disrespect the DJ. Cause they play your music, but not only that, man. They, they they are the original MC. They spoke with they spoke without speaking. Yeah, because they made people feel good and dance with with the uh, records they were spinning. The, the MC came second. This is where the music business came in and, and switched it around. They played shells with it. They shelled it around the yeah. shell game around, and now the MC is first, and the DJ is always secondary in the music business. Yeah, and I, I always hated it because it was just like. I just saw like artists and DJs just giving giving the power their power away just to like because mm-hmm. they feel like they have to do that to stay on, you know, and yeah. and then next thing you know, DJs are becoming you know jukeboxes, you know, and yeah. and and people can talk to them any sort of way about, and you're yo. like, yo, 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 not anymore, <laughs> yo, it's it's it's. It's a low, It's a lot different now, especially like I said with the with the uh, social media and the internet. You have to be careful, and it's usually the younger guys. But you have a few uh, cats that slip through the cracks. That's from my era, and um and get disrespectful with DJs. But yo, know, disrespect a DJ, a, a respectful DJ as well, and see what happens. Like <laughs> you will get on the whole planet. <laughs> you won't be doing shows. You won't be nowhere. Like, you know, the DJ always had the power. It's just, it went through chambers. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, like I said, I explained that to the younger artists. Like, yo, man, like, always be humble, man. Like, 
and always respect the DJ because they play your music. You know, and that's all I tell them. I don't wag my finger at them or nothing. I just let them know, like, be mindful who you coming at when you, you know, because the DJ, all he got to do, they they all friends, man. <laughs> or they have connections or they in a record pool or, and all it takes is a work. And I think during this pandemic, like, I kind of fell in love with records and DJing all over again because... Cause it it exposed the people who are just there for the money and and whatnot, as opposed to the people who um you know just have a genuine genuine love for the music, and right. you 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 know people had to do what they had to do just to get by during the pandemic. So people started right. you know building a you know building live streams and whatnot, right. and you saw the people who actually. The people who were the most entertaining were the people who were, who had the best records or had right. most knowledge about the records, you know. And that was right. and that really sort of like I'm watching these streams and I have and I'm on Discogs like putting stuff on my want list and everything. And I'm like, right. it's an education. And I'm like, yo, I miss this, dude. I miss education. I think this to the to the live stream, like you know, it that that would have been like me just trying to. Uh, starting to DJ because the pandemic hit. People would have looked at me like, <laughs> even though I, that's my background, I started DJing. Yeah. But I'm not a DJ today. You know what I'm saying? And it's, to me, it would be disrespectful to a lot of other DJs if I don't put my work in all over again and educate myself all over again just to be respectful of something that, People make a living off, man. But see, a lot of people did that, like when like technology and and laptops and Serato came by. You're like, woo! Look at all these people who aren't DJing. You don't even need beats no more. You could do beats yourself. I'm (laughs) like, nah. Like I come from BITC. Like all these guys taught themselves every machine that came out. They didn't go to school. They didn't go to Debray. They didn't go to none of these studio school. They they self taught. You know what I'm saying, and, and um, I just I, I just wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying, like it'll be disrespecting myself. I consider myself a producer in a, in a different way, but not physically on machines. And yeah, and I, you know, I dig for records. I could tell you about music all day, but me physically doing it just because I could cut the middleman out. Nah, I, that's not me. That's that's disrespectful to the to the art. And and you just mentioned something that I I think doesn't get talked about in hip hop so much is like you, you you call yourself a producer but not like you know banging on the you know drum machines or whatnot <clears throat> is that the you know the producer role like how it is in other genres of music where you're kind of right. like you're telling other musicians what to do, you know, or do that better or whatever, you know, what's, right. what's been your uh, experience with doing that with your projects? Well, like I said early on, uh, uh, you know, I picked most of my music, um, depending on who I was working with at the time too, or what particular producers I was working with. But, um, you know, for me, it was just like, I know what I like, but then you'll get pigeonholed. You you can pigeonhole yourself into getting stuck in a certain sound or or what people expect from you. Yeah. So with the producing, 
uh, uh, other people producing me, going back to that original formula where um, uh, the L.A. Posse and people like that was producing for L.L., you know, they was bringing music to him and being like, yo, we pitch you this. Now, if you come up with a record like Candy or, you know, just a concept, this is what we hit. He either said now, he was like, yo, he built on it more. And he turned it into a concept. Um, he produced from an aspect of writing. And they produced from an aspect of uh, uh, building the music around. And I just felt like, for me, like, damn, man, like, you know, I kind of missed that that idea of, you know, um, you know, Premier never uh, uh, gave you a CD tape or beat tape. Premier did everything from scratch. You know yeah, what that's, what I, that's what I heard. He was never, he's never somebody who just made beats all day. Everything, everything he made was specifically for that person. Yeah, specifically for that person. Like, um, I mean, and this was before me, but, yo, when he did the the water sample with Come Clean and j yo, <laughs> he... I mean, and he's done that time and time again. But when he did that particular record at that time, I was just like, who the f-? Yeah, yo, that still cracks heads to this day, man. Oh, man. And, and the, how he would precisionly, with precision, find the right scratch to scratch in and fly in. And, you know, I, I, yo, he, that's producing. You know what I'm saying? And, and, also, J. Roof's producing because he had to write around what they done. You know what I'm saying? Or he probably had to readjust it. You know what I'm saying? Once they got it laid down. And I found out later on working with Cream, you know, um, yo, when he did My World, I, he didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I was just like, nah, I got something for this. And I was like, yo, just leave me alone for like 30, 45 minutes. And he went out and got him some weed and some Guinness Stouts or whatever he was doing and came back and I told him I was ready and I laid the, I laid my verses and you know and Prem is hands on with all of that like me, Jay, Nas Big, you know I, I from what I understand Jay don't like to be stopped or nothing like Jay has a particular way of, and but Prem to tell you nah I don't like the way you worded that you know <laughs> hit it again you know what I'm saying so He's 200% serious about what he does. And like I said, when he did come clean, though, man, that blew my mind because, you know, I've seen him do a lot of stuff. I've seen him do a lot of different artists. But, you know, at that point, I figured, like, uh, he, he, can't, he can't beat himself. And he did. He kept beating himself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. even after the come clean and the j album, which to me is – a masterpiece. You know, everything on there is incredible. Everything. 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 Damn. Damn, man. Damn. Is there anybody that you, any producers that you've never worked with that you would like to or didn't get a chance to ever work with? Um... He's a musician as well as, a you know, he's a producer, musician. Timberland, I would love to work with Timberland. Like, the stuff, now, I'm talking about Timberland, 
squeeze first, ask questions last, Jehovah records, like, don't, 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 like, he does things with his mouth, and then he'll lay it down and play it out on the pads and, <laughs> and you know, um, like, the dirt off his shoulder, like, he's, he did this with his mouth, and then was like, oh, shit, I got an idea. <laughs> that record and the drums and the sounds that he put together to play exactly how he played it, beatboxing like. So yeah, Timberland was one of those dudes. Um, Dame Grease, Dame Grease got a grittiness to him that I love. What he did with DMX, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and Dame is still around. Like Dame's still getting busy, but you know. Things that people would have been like, word, like, I don't see that. And I'm like, well, you ain't looking hard enough. <laughs> like, you, like you is, see it, like you see it head. in your mind. Yeah, yeah like, Timberland is a hip-hop head. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, yo, even the stuff he did with uh, Nelly Furtado and Justin Timberlake, I, I, I would have rounded over that shit. Yeah, yeah. I just he just he just has a spice to him like he has he has this this yo he just got style to him it's something about him the way he puts music together you know what I'm saying and um I think he did he played the the ludic <clears throat> excuse me the ludicrous record for Jay but Jay didn't pick that yo dude is a genius. You, you understand, like, these are people I know I can put something together with and it'll come out amazing. To kind of, you know, start closing, you know, on this conversation, uh, you know, what are you know what are you working on these days? You know, what you been up to? Um, Breathing, man, just breathing. I had to breathe, like, contrary to what everybody was going through, you know, I, I sort of thrived in the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, just breathing. Like, people was asking for music, and I was just like, I didn't want to talk. Obviously, it was nothing else to talk about. So I definitely would have spoke about the pandemic. I didn't want to do that. You know, I felt like people was going through it. I felt like I wasn't going through it, but I was part of it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't feel the direct effects of, so to speak, in my mind of the pandemic. But, yeah, I'm part of it. I have to wear my mask and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Decide if I'm going to take the shot or not. Or I'm going through everything everybody else spoke through. But um, I just ain't want to make no music at that time, man. Like, now I'm itching. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's time for me to, you know, uh, people giving me music now. I'm like, you know, I'm doing features and I'm giving people great verses and I'm like, well, I just gave somebody a hell of a song out in Australia. And I'm like, man, let me get back to work, man, because um, it's time. Yeah, that felt good. You know, you're like, that's yeah, let's get a crack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I I had pressure on myself too. I wanted to have an album done by my my fiftieth, but you know, it wasn't in the cards man like it wasn't time yet so now it's time to start working again word 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 before we get out of here you know 
you know, sometimes I like to ask this question, just kind of close things out. What's, you know, and I haven't actually asked this to anybody in a long time. I used to do this a lot on this podcast. Like what's a bit of a nugget of knowledge from your, from your life that anybody listening to this, it doesn't matter what walk of life they come from could sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, appropriate into their own lives. We don't know everything. We don't know everything. We always forever a student. This is what I tell people. And that's what I tell uh, younger people as well. Like, yo, you know, you forever a student, right? They're like, what you mean? I'm like, never stop learning. Like, I can learn from you and you can learn from me. But, you know, we forever students in life. Like, yeah. you never know more than, even if you, you think you do, you don't know more than anybody. Like, we all go through uh, being human beings and, and, and not being perfect. And, you know, so we students of life, man. Like, you never stop being a student. That's why the legend thing is hard for me to swallow, man. Like, I'm not done yet. You're not even done yet, but yeah, I gotta give, man, but I gotta man. give you your flowers while you're still here, man. Okay. No, I appreciate it. I just, yo, I never, um, I'll say thank you and humble myself all day with that, with that notion. But I don't call myself no legend. Like, look anywhere, ask anybody. Like, I'm just like, well, word. Well, that's like, fine, man. We'll we'll t- we'll, we'll keep telling you you're a legend. You don't have yeah. to say, it. yeah. <laughs> I just don't, I, cause I'm still like, damn man, like, I ain't transcended yet in this music. Like, I, I still have some in me. You know, the window is small, but I still have something in me to. to um, you heard Pharaoh's thirteen album? Not a few, a few of the joints, man. And it sounds incredible. Man, he got me stuck right now, like. I, I threw my middle finger up to him and cursed him on the phone. Like, <laughs> yo, man. <laughs> Even though I, this is a project in the making he's been doing for the past 10, 15 years. Like, the ideas and stuff. So I, I was there and I know about him. I heard uh, different musics and mixes. But I'm like, yo, this dude transcended. Like, I put him in there with M, I put him in there with J, I put him in there with Nas, I put him in there yeah. with Thought, I put him in there with G-Rap, King, Rock Kim, like March, and, and that's my sensei, he put me on. So I'm just like, yo, how do you do it, man? He's just like, man, I'm drinking bourbon right now, I don't hear that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know no, what I'm saying? It's, like, but, but it's crazy. Stop, oh. and but, I'm like, yo, how do you do it? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's nuts that there's there's been these artists who, you know, we saw it these one times put out these classic records, but then later mm-hmm. on put on these, put out these amazing other things. Like, yeah. like you have somebody like you have someone like LP where you're like, you know, everybody was yeah. a big, like company. We loved company flow. We loved his uh, solo, but then he went into this whole other level with run the jewels. And you're like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like I'm proud of him for that. Like, like I, I I believe somebody um I have to scroll down my, my IG page, but somebody put it up and I I reposted it. So me and L Big L did London, a spot in London in ninety seven, I believe. Yeah, because it was for the Jewels promotion. And LP was there. 
it's me, him, and LP in the picture, and somebody else, I think it's DJ at the time. And I'm like, damn, like, this is LP. Like, somebody's like, yo, look at him close. And I'm like, it's Richie Cunningham. I'm like, oh, wow, that's LP. <laughs> he in the picture with me and L, or we in the picture together in London. I'm like, wow. And he went on. You know, I'm I'm telling my nephew like, yo, he come from a group called Company Flow, and he's a multi-platinum producer, uh, uh, artist with Killer Mike now, and they sell out concerts and they do big. He like, he's not understanding what I'm telling him. I'm like, yo, he he reinvented himself. Yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah, and it, it's it's and it's nuts too. Like, it, there's so there's been so many like instances of like. Like it, it can happen. Like you don't even have to put these these boundaries. Like like my uh, like my homie um, Fat Father. Yeah. Yeah, like my homie Fat Father. He's been doing music for a long time. Always great. And it's funny. Like recently, he put out a, a record uh, called Soccer Dad, produced by Foulmouth. And there was a there was um one of the hip hop websites was like, you know, put him on the list of like you know, top six new artists to check out. And he's like in his forties, you know? Yeah. But see, that's the, that's the gift and the curse of reinvention, social media, the internet. I wish we had this 30 years ago. Like, you know how much advantage I would have took of the internet back then? Like, so now I'm playing catch up as best as I can, but I just can't, um, I have to stop saying I can't, but I have to not look at it as I'm not stretching my boundaries, as you said. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Like, yo, you have to look at it like it's music. And if they don't like it, so what? Or if I don't like it, it don't hurt to try it. Or who, or who cares how old you are, you know, what your age is, you know? Yeah, like, I'm like, yo, man, like, shit, um... Paul McCartney and them is stinging them still sell out. Like they probably uh, grossed the most money in the past ten years <laughs> constant wise. Like these guys is in their seventies. Like, you know, um Mick Jagger and them, they in their seventies, eighties, man. Right. And they grossed the most in concert uh, venues. Yeah. Madonna. They grossed the most in concert venues. Like, so I just don't understand that. I'm not paying attention to people too much no more. So that's good. Um, I'm not straying away from my core, but um, you know, I I remember somebody saying, uh, and this is just you know a different day, it's a different generation. But they said, yeah, you know, Drake basically invented the harmonize. I'm like, I had to scratch my head, like you know, um, nah, he ain't invent the harmonize. He He's probably the most successful at it, but um, like I said, Kaz is still alive. Some of the fantastic five. These guys before me, I harmonized on my first album a little bit. Like, like no man, like even even uh, even Fonte from Little Brother, man, and he was doing it before Drake. Fonte, you know, <laughs> uh, 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 CeeLo from Goody Mob. He reinvented himself with Danger Mouth. Yeah. Um. You know, like, yo, I'm like, nah. I said, yo, I like some of Drake's stuff, but don't, 
I don't care how many number ones he has, man. Don't don't try to rewrite history yeah. by saying he started something. Like, no. You know, he just continued something and made it bigger. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So before we get out of here, like, you know, do you have any uh, you know, final thoughts? Um hopefully we can tour again, man. <laughs> you know, I I'm looking to I'm looking to getting back on the road, man. Like, you know, I, I'm one to pop up at some some well finesse with DJ and do gigs sometimes. So I will pop up to Denver or LA or Cincinnati or something like that. You know, I'm looking forward to doing that, man. You know, March got a you know the latest project out, which I'm like, damn, man. You know, they're getting festivals thrown at them. You know, that's opening back up. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna definitely pop up. One of these uh, states, you know what I'm saying? I don't know about out of the country, but one of these states. Because I want to see this this 13 thing that him, Daru, and, and Marcus do by themselves. Three men, like two men, three man band. You know what I'm yeah. saying? A guitarist and a drummer and an MC. And I believe Boogie Blind might join them on some dates, the DJ. You know, to work his DJ routine into it, but... I'm looking forward to doing shows and, and seeing people do shows, man. Like, I, I miss that. Yeah. Same. Yeah, same. like, you know, I did my last show actually with Farrell, like, the week of the pandemic shut everything down. So we got back from Chicago and everything was shut down ever since. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a hell of a year and a half, yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 but it's an experience you know, it's it's a learning experience for all of us, man. And and you know, now I'm seeing dudes is hacking the meat, twenty three percent of the meat that's that's being processed on the planet. They done cyber hacked it. I'm like, yo, <laughs> what the fuck? I seen it on the news today, man. I'm like, so most of the poetry, pork and the chicken that passes through, you know, the United the U.S. man. It's, it's been hacked, and they was trying to hold him for ransom. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like yo, people don't understand. Things are not over yet. Like, it's far from over. It's a matter of fact. Life as we know it, a year and a half ago, is different. Yeah, it's totally. Not, it'll different. never be that ever again. What we know prior to that, up to that point, will never be again. So we got to prepare for what's coming, whatever that means, whatever it is. Well, it's been great talking with you, man. Like I said, you're one of my favorites of all time. And it's always it's good it. to talk with you, man. Like, uh, Glad you're okay, man. You had me a little shut, like, you know, when you was like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling so great. I'm like, man, I ain't trying to hear no other pigs go down and smoke, man. Like, nah, But man. I didn't even put it in the air like that. I was just like, I got a cold or something. <laughs> Yeah, it was just, it was just me being exhausted, man. But yeah, it's about it. But uh, you, I'm good. Listen to your body, man. Yeah, yeah. So I look at later on too. Listen to your body. When your body tell you, yo, chill out. Like <laughs> you gotta chill out. I I totally listen to my body and like and always you know, self care is so important to me now. Yeah, man. Yeah. I believe um me going to the doctor, getting annuals for the past 20 years kept me alive as well. You know, that's that's something, you know, we don't do 
as black men and as men in general, you yeah. know, we scared to go to the doctors, but I've been going to the doctors for annuals. I believe I got my, you know, uh, prostate checked at 40. You know, it's about that time again. But um, only because I told him I had, uh, well, my uncle had passed away from it years ago. So he was like, is it a history? I'm like, nah. But he like, well, I still got to do the prostate, prostate exam. I was like, whatever, man. <laughs> if we catch it, let's do it. Like, I ain't thinking no other way, you know. But um, health, man. Health is wealth. Hell yeah. Now, where can people go online to, uh, you know, follow you, get more information about, you know, what you're up to? Um, oh, man, I sound like a commercial now. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm on IG at OCDITC. Uh, my Twitter is the real O-C-I-Z-Z-L-E. The real C-I-Z-Z-L-E. You know, the real O-Sizzle. You know, I'm just um, I'm just catching up to speed with all of this social media stuff still, man. And I've been doing it for quite a while now. But you know, one thing go out the door, something new come in. It's like, damn, like the kids be like, "Yo, you don't know about this app?" It's like, uh, yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they like, "Yo, you just press that, and you in another country." It's just like, ah, oh, man. All right, show. Me. You know what I'm saying? So just trying to keep up with what's going on as far as like, you know, uh, with the internet and stuff like that. So, yeah, OC, the, at OCDITC is my IG and the real OCizzle is my Twitter. All right, man. It's been great talking with you, man. Thanks for being on. Appreciate you, bro, brother. Like, I'm glad you're okay and I'm glad we had this combo again. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast. Hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh of the word. Fresh of the word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com. And that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh of the word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fresh of the word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.